Welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Crystal Guayco, and I will be your host for today. If you want more information about Miami Church or would love to get connected, email us at hello at mammychurch.com. Without further ado, here's the message. Enjoy! Well, good morning. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you to our team and volunteers who allow my family and I to take a couple of weeks of vacation to rest and recharge. I'll be kicking off a new series in a couple of weeks called Pre-Decide. It's all about decisions. Better decisions, better life. But today I want to wrap up our series that we've been in for a few weeks called Better For It, right? Pain without gain is a shame. And we've been talking about this. Pain is a fact. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But the big question is, what do you do? What do you do with the pain? What do you do when things don't go according to your plan? This is not it, Greg. This is not the picture I had in mind. This is not how I drew it up. This is not how it's supposed to be. I mean, Greg, I thought I would be married by now. Or, or Greg, I took this job and they made me all of these promises, but here I am and I'm miserable. Greg, parenting is harder than I thought. My kids are struggling. They're having a difficult time. I don't know what to do. Or, hey, we got married with so much hope, but, but it's hard, and we're just fighting and arguing all the time. Or my mom, she's sick, and they're running a bunch of tests, but it doesn't look good. See, this is not how it's supposed to be. This was not the plan. This was not the chapter that I, I wrote. And what happens to me and it happens to you is what starts out with so much hope and so much passion and so much excitement, what starts out full can easily become empty. See, I was full, but now I'm empty. And when that happens to you and it happens to me, the natural, the normal response, when plans, when your plans go off the rails, when things don't go According to plan, the natural normal spot is to, is to point your finger at the heavens and go, God, where are you? Are you there? Do you see what's happening? How could you? In fact, this is one of the top reasons that people leave. People leave the church. People walk away from God. People unfollow Jesus. Right? It's this very idea. Like, God didn't deliver God did not meet my expectations. And for many people who walk away from faith, who walk away from Jesus, they, they have this very specific idea of what God should do in their lives. But when God doesn't meet their expectations, when he doesn't deliver on a specific prayer or a specific need, when he does not deliver, when things don't go according to my plan. They, I hear this, like, well, how can you believe in a God like that? Or how can you trust? How can you trust a God? A God when they're just, there's so much evil. There's so much pain. There's so much struggle. There's so much hurt. If you've ever felt that way, or maybe you feel like that right now. If you ever felt like your life's kind of falling apart, or you ever felt like like, like, God, where are you? This story is for you. It's found uh, in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, Ruth. 
And it's actually on page 180 in the Bible in your chair. Here's what it says. It says, there was a time when Israel didn't have kings, but they had leaders to help them. And this is the story about some things that happened during that time. Okay, there's a famine. There wasn't enough food. And so a man went to live in a neighboring country called Moab. Look where he was from, Bethlehem in Judah. His wife and two sons went with him, okay? A man's name's Imelech. His wife's name's Naomi, and they have two sons, okay? Malon and Kilion, okay? The two sons. They're from the tribe of Ephraim. Their home had been in Bethlehem, key, and they went to Moab, which is a, it's a neighboring country, okay? A little context, okay? I know that's a lot of Okay? This is in the first part of the Bible, the Jewish scriptures. The nation is Israel. It's God's chosen people. There's no kings. So just chronologically, this is before kings. This is before Saul, before King David. It's actually a period that is known as the period of the judges, which is really about 350 years of just chaos. Okay? So there's a family. Okay? There's, a, there's a husband and wife, right? and they have two sons. Okay? And because of the famine, right? There's, there's no food, there's nothing to eat. They leave Bethlehem, again, key city, maybe you've heard of that one. They leave Bethlehem and they go to a, a neighboring country called Moab, but it's really an enemy territory. Now, verse 3, the story turns into a tragedy. It says, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they, the two sons, they married women from Moab. One was named Orpha. The other was named Ruth. And Naomi's family lived in Moab, look at that, 10 years. So 10 years, and then the two sons. Then the two sons uh, die. And so she's left with no husband and no sons. Her life falls apart. Her husband dies, she's a widow. Then she loses not one, but two sons, and now we have three widows, right? The husband's dead. The sons are dead, and now there are these three widows, the mom and the two daughter-in-laws. It's not good. Naomi is in a bad place. You remember the last time you were in a bad place? Where you just go, Greg, I'm, I was in, I'm in a bad place. What's the feeling? When you're in a bad place, there's just so much hopelessness. It's very sad. It's, there's despair, maybe even depression. It's not a good feeling. It's not the plan. This is not how it's supposed to be. And her story continues, if you continue to read, as her, word, as her world falls apart, she begins to hear that back in her home that the famine is over, so she's going to go back to Bethlehem. And so she looks at her two daughters-in-laws, who are widows, and she says, hey, go home, go back to your families, go start over. And so Orpha leaves, but Ruth, the one daughter-in-law, she refuses to leave. She says, I will not. Where you go, I'll go. It's interesting. Have you noticed that God sends people into our lives at just the right time? You don't always see it in the moment, right? You don't, you don't always have eyes to see it in the moment, but many times you kind of look back and go, huh. That person showed up at just the right time. And God often sends people into our lives to help, to encourage, and, and to be there at just the right time. And, and Ruth is that for Naomi in this moment. Let's pick up in 19. The two women, they continue on their way. And at last, they arrive in Bethlehem, and the, the whole town is stirred up because of them. And the women in the town said, could this possibly be Naomi? 
And the idea here is like, she doesn't look good. The years have been in kind, right? The pain, the despair, the misery, it's evident in her body and on her face. Look at how she responds, verse 20. She says, don't call me Naomi. She says, call me Mara. The mighty one has, been, has made my life very, there's the word, bitter. Don't call me Naomi, which by the way, the word Naomi means sweetness. Nope, 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 I've got a new name. My new name is Mara, which actually means bitter, bitterness. I'm miserable. I mean, here it is. Look what she says. Boom, look at the line, verse 21. I went away full, but God has brought me back empty. So why are you calling me sweet? The Lord has made me suffer. The mighty one has brought trouble on me. The almighty God has made my life bitter. He's made me suffer. He has brought trouble on me. I was full, but now I'm empty. Why is it so easy for me and for you to become bitter? We've talked about this, cynical resentful, right? You, you dream of a life full of relational blessings and instead you're experiencing relational brokenness. You, you thought this was your dream job. They promised you everything and this is it. You're going to, to keep getting promoted. You're going to make a lot of money. Everything's up and to the right and here comes the house and the car and living the dream and instead it's a, it's a nightmare, a boss from hell. Not what I signed up for. I mean, this, this was not the story. This is not how I wrote it. You want a life full of meaning and purpose, and instead of that, you're experiencing just pain and loss and suffering and heartache. If you look closely at this story, you'll see some key principles in the story of Naomi. Here's one of the principles. A distorted view of God always leads to a distorted view of life. See, Naomi went to Moab, which is not where she should have been. Now, there's all kinds of cultural stuff going on in this, but it's basically like an alcoholic hanging out at a bar. It's just not where you need to be. It's not a good idea. It's not healthy. And so she spent 10 years, a decade, being not... It, it's not where she was supposed to be. And in her pain and in her, 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 her loss and in her suffering, she loses sight. She loses perspective. I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in a letter to the church in the city of Corinth in 1 Corinthians. And he says these words, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 12. He says, now, now, we see only dim likeness of things. It's as if we're seeing things in a foggy mirror. He says, but someday we'll see clearly. We'll see face to face. What I know now is what? Not complete. But someday I will know completely, just as God knows me completely. He says, it's like a dim likeness, a fuzzy. It's blurry. I don't, I don't have the full picture. I don't, I don't know the, the full story. But he says, one day, there's hope. There's a day coming when we will be face to face, but now, right now, it's, it's not complete. One day, someday, I'll know. I'll, I'll see the, the full picture. I'll, I'll understand. And see, in, in Naomi, in, in her pain, and in her loss, and in her, her bitterness, it, 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 what happens to you and me? It's become so blurry, 
and so distorted that she's doing the natural normal thing and she's lashing out and she's pointing her finger and she's blaming God. God, where are you? Don't you see what's happening? God, how could you? You did not deliver. You did not keep your end of the deal. She can't see. She says, God made my life bitter. God let me down. God didn't do what he was supposed to do. Is there an area of your life right now where things just seem to be blurry? You just can't see. Naomi, she lost sight. She did the natural thing. She blamed God. But if you look closely, she did one thing that was really interesting. If you look again in verse 20, here, here's what it is. Ruth 1, verse 20. She says, don't call me Naomi, right? Bit, uh, sweet. Call me Mara, bitter. The mighty one has made my life very bitter. Look closely. She called God by a very specific name. In fact, how you refer to God or how you call God, it, it really reflects on how close or how well you know God, right? You hear people like, the big guy upstairs or the man upstairs or the big guy in the sky, right? But, but, but how you call God, it, it, it indicates your closeness to him. Now, we know that this was originally written in Hebrew, and it was translated into English, mighty one or, or almighty. But, but the Hebrew is transliterated this word, El Shaddai. And this word simply means ample or enough. Or, or, or the real idea is this. God is exactly what you need when you need him. God is exactly what you need when you need him. Now, we don't have time to read the entire story. You should, right? But Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth, she waits patiently. She's trusted. She has this deep faith and confidence, and she doesn't lose hope. And there's all kinds of cultural stuff that goes on. It's very interesting, but if you fast forward to chapter 4, it says this. It says, Boaz married Ruth, then he slept with her, and the Lord blessed her, so she became pregnant, and she had a son. And the women of the village, they say to Naomi, we praise God, today he has provided a family protector for you. May this child become famous over all Israel. He will make your life new. He will take care of you when you're old. He's the son of your very own daughter-in-law. She loves you. She's better to you than seven sons. Verse 16. It says, Naomi took the little baby, the child, in her arms. And she took care of him. And the women living there, they said, Naomi has a son. And they named this little baby Obed. Look at this. And he was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. And all of a sudden, all of that pain and brokenness turns to hope. Not just for her, but for everyone. Have you ever read the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew and there's just a list of names and you're like, I don't need to know all these names. But here's a glimpse of it. It says, Boaz was the father of Obed and Obed was the father of Jesse and Jesse was the father of David. And if you keep going all the way down to verse 16 in Matthew 1, it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, and Joseph was the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who's called the Messiah. And, and in the big picture, it says, hey, Naomi, all your pain and all your brokenness is going to be turned into hope. It's going to be turned into hope, and it's so big, it's not just hope for you. It's hope for everyone, and out of her pain and out of her loss and out of her brokenness, and out of her bitterness, 
God brought hope, and he brought wholeness, and he brought healing, not just for her, but for you and for me. And here's the thing. There, there is, and there will be pain. There will be enough pain and enough trouble and enough loss and enough brokenness in your life. It's, it's fact. You're, you're going to experience pain. There will be times, there will be seasons when you will go from full to empty. And we all come to these moments. We all come to these seasons when, when that happens that we must decide what will we do. And one way is, is and kind of maybe even the natural way, is just to become bitter and mad and cynical and to shake our fingers and be mad at God and mad at the church and just leave and walk away. In fact, you see a lot of grumpy old people, right, without much hope, without much faith, and they're just old and bitter and fragile and grumpy, and you just don't want to be around them. Or... You could choose the other path and say, you know, I'm going to hold on to hope. I'm going to hold on to faith. I'm going to choose to believe, to trust, to know that I don't fully understand. I don't see completely. I don't know the whole story. But even when I don't, I'm going to choose to believe. And I'm going to trust that God is exactly what I need when I need him. See, pain it's inevitable. But misery is not. Misery is optional. Friends, in this world, you will have trouble. I wish it weren't so. I wish that we didn't have to struggle. I wish that there wasn't so much pain. I wish there wasn't so much heartache. But it's just a reality. In this world, you will have trouble. But you know what? God, he took on human flesh. And, and instead of just leaving us on our own, he actually leaned in and he entered into the form of, of a human uh, through, the, through Jesus. And, and the story of Jesus culminates, right? It culminates in the greatest amount of suffering and pain that can is imaginable when they nailed him to a cross and they put nails through his hands and through his feet and they stuck a sword in his side and pierced his side. And in that pain and in that suffering, which was so real, Jesus took on all our stuff and all our junk and all our shame and all our guilt in all our sins so that we can be in this right relationship with God. See, it was in the pain. It was in the pain that God brought the greatest hope ever. See, when you and I face pain, it's real. We don't ignore it. We don't stick our head in the sand. We don't just suck it up. No, 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 no. When we experience pain, if we will just lean in, if we'll just lean in and say, okay, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But I'm going to choose in this moment to reject bitterness. I'm going to choose to lean in. I'm going to choose to lean in. What are you trying to say to me? What is it you're saying? Oh, God. I don't like pain. <laughs> I'm like every other human. I, I, I'm pain avoidant. <laughs> I try to resist as much pain as possible, God, but, but pain is inevitable. But you have said, 
In this world, you will have trouble. But in the midst of that pain, we can still experience peace and presence. And God, there's hope because you have overcome. And so God, I pray that we'll be a people. That when we struggle, that we'll be there for each other. God, you tell us to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. So, so we're in community. We're doing it together. But God, I pray that we'll be a people who leans in and who ask a very simple question. God, what is it that you're saying to me? Speak, God, and give us ears to hear. We love you, and we thank you for Jesus and his model who suffered for us so that we can be in this right relationship with you. That's good news. And we love you, and we pray in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at miamichurch.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step 